If you saw someone collapse or faint on the ground, would you go over to help them? Mm. What if you were in a crowded subway? Maybe. What if you witnessed something much more serious? Would you okay. try to help or tell somebody? Probably. Today, we're going to discuss the bystander effect in somebody mm. named Kitty Genovese. Kitty Genovese is the person who inspired the interest in the bystander effect from the psychology community. Hi, welcome to Psych Papers, a podcast of bad content where we discuss psychological studies and conduct research of our own. I'm Chris Cole. I have a PhD in psychology, and this is Joseph. I'm his friend. Joseph, have you heard of Kitty Genovese? No, but I have heard of the bystander effect. Okay. Um, yep. It's basically uh, the phenomenon where people are cowards um, and they're afraid of doing the right thing when called for. I think that's what how, I think that's the scientific definition for that. Well, that well, it's it's that's not a charitable take on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that's not how psychologists approach things. <laughs> you don't think they look at it just like, man, people suck. Kitty Genovese was a 28-year-old bartender living in Queens in New York in 1964. And she is now a staple in U.S. psychology textbooks. Okay. She was born in Brooklyn, New York, raised Catholic, and was known for her sunny disposition. After graduating high school, she worked clerical jobs before finding herself to feel more comfortable working as a bartender. Oh, man. She rose to become the manager of a bar and intended on opening up her own Italian restaurant. I don't know it. I don't know the end of the story, Chris, but the fact that you have all these details me says a, says, <laughs> the, all these seemingly menial details, they sort of add up and shape this person as a whole. And I, I dread the ending of the story. Yep. So now <laughs> on to the attack. <laughs> I am, I'm not going to go into details because it's pretty gruesome. You can look it up for yourself if you want to Katie Genovese, but she was on her way home from work one day after bartending. And after she parked in her apartment's parking lot, a man who had followed her home attacked her with a knife. Jesus. She screamed out for help, and the entire attack lasted about 30 minutes. 30 whole later, minutes? 30 minutes. Jesus. Yeah. She died while en route to the hospital. The perpetrator was arrested about a week later and eventually died in prison while serving a life sentence. So why are we talking about Kitty Genovese? A New York Times article published two weeks after the murder claimed that 38 witnesses saw what happened but didn't call the police. Okay, that's I was waiting to jump in to ask that question. Like, how does someone pull off 30 minutes of a crime? And there's no yeah. intervention whatsoever. That's insane. Yep. Yep. Right in front of her apartment building. Oh, my gosh. That was, she was filled, filled with tenants. So quotes from neighbors saying they, quote, didn't want to get involved, circulated. And eventually this story became emblematic of the callousness in big cities, New York in particular. So how could 38 people witness something so terrible and not do anything? Mm-hmm. Income the psychologists, <laughs> behavioral have... scientists. <laughs> we, have, we have all the answers. <laughs> Move over. Did somebody call Doctor Research? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me pull up my spreadsheet. I I have an I have questions to answer. 
Doctor Research, is that a cape? Are you wearing a cape right now? You can yes. never be too ready. <laughs> I need to fly into the scene and do some qualitative yeah. interviews. Behavioral scientists were interviewed and asked why nobody would help a victim. And sadly, none of them could offer a really good answer. Surprisingly, the killer provided an answer. When asked how he dared to attack a woman in front of so many witnesses, the psychopath calmly replied, quote, I knew they wouldn't do anything. People never do. This spurred interest in concepts called the bystander effect and the diffusion of responsibility. Social psychologist John Darley in Bib Latane started this line of research showing that contrary to common expectations, mm -hmm. larger numbers of bystanders actually decreases the likelihood that somebody, somebody will step it forward and help a victim. Mm. The reasons include the fact that onlookers see that others are not helping either, that onlookers believe others will know better how to help, and that onlookers feel uncertain about helping while others are watching. So it's Thus, like kind of like a it's like a cat eating his own tail. Like I think others will help, so I don't need to yeah. intervene. But everyone's yep. thinking that same yep. thought at the same time. Every, everything just feeds into each other. Yeah. Thus, the Kitty Genovese case became a classic feature of social psychology textbooks. Okay, Darley and Latane and their experiments will be the topic of today's episode. So contrary to what you might think from watching TV or scrolling on Twitter, emergencies are not very common. They estimated that the average person will encounter fewer than six emergencies in a lifetime. First of all, I have no idea how you would go about measuring this. <laughs> I don't I don't I think they pulled where's this that, number out of their where's, ass. Where's I don't the know. Data, the mind, mind for stuff like I guess reported incidents maybe uh like per household. I don't, I don't know. That, that's such a I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you What would, constitutes like an emergency? Isn't that a census census question? Like does someone try to fuck with you today? Um yes or no? <laughs> if if yes, how many times in the past 6 months have you been fucked with? But Four potential responses, one to two, two to three, four to five, five and, five and more. Or, I wish somebody would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to fuck around and try out the eighth option? I uh, wish you would. I wish you would. <laughs> Very few emergencies nonetheless. Sure. This is good and bad. Good for obvious reasons. Bad. Because if you do go through an emergency, you'll have to decide what to do based on very little experience. Right. Society dictates that we take action to help in emergencies. There are even places with the Good Samaritan law or mm -hmm. duty to render aid. There's a whole Seinfeld episode about this where if you witness a crime and you didn't do anything to try to stop it within your power, then that can be a crime in of itself. Does it also apply to providing aid if you're like a doctor or a specialist that can provide support mm -hmm. in that situation? I believe like, so. That's the duty to render aid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like if someone said, is there a doctor here? Like you would have, you can't offer help. You're not a medical professional. Like your, your theoretical yeah, knowledge. Chris, I think doc, like I'm a doctor, but an academic one. You, you like, you wouldn't be able to doctor offer Doctor research. <laughs> <laughs> can you perform? Can you help? This, guy, this man's having a cardiac arrest. Can you help us doctor research? Yeah. <laughs> on a scale of one to five how, what is his heartbeat like very fast slightly fast not that fast 
let me let me punch these numbers into my Excel spreadsheet and cor- cor- <laughs> calculate the correlation. Um, I'm looking up in R. It says that you are definitely having a cardiac arrest. So I want to confirm yes. your your hypothesis <laughs> that you are indeed dying. What do we do? <laughs> let me Google it. <laughs> so this kind of gets at the concept of diffusion of responsibility. Mm. So as the as the number of bystanders in emergency increases the greater is the belief that someone else will help. So I don't need to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the stage has been set with Kitty Genevieve as the backdrop. We now have the main player of diffusion of responsibility. So how do we study this? Yeah. The, re- the researchers had to reproduce an emergency situation in a laboratory setting. So the cover story was that students were invited to a study about how students adjust to university life in a competitive urban environment and what kinds of personal problems that they deal with. Students were asked to discuss their problems honestly with other students. Mm. But to avoid discomfort or embarrassment, they would be in separate rooms, would speak with each other over an intercom system. Oh, I, I see I see where this is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see where Clever this is going. Clever psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hold on, let this me let's intercom. get the visual. Let me get the yeah. visual. So they're not looking at each other and they're talking through an intercom. So they're separated. Yep. Okay. So a student comes in, they're put in like an individual room and yeah. they have an intercom and they're told that they're going to talk to other students about their struggles and what they deal with as a student um, through an intercom. Mm-hmm. This intercom, they were told, would only allow one student at a time to speak. So only one person could speak at a time. Each student was given two minutes, after which the microphone for the next student would be activated for two minutes and so on. Now, all of this was just the cover story. So Uh what was actually going on? Okay. The most important part of this cover story was the way that students were divided into three different experimental conditions. So group one Participants believe that they would be talking with only one other person. So it's just a okay. one-on-one conversation. Group two believed that there would be two other people on the intercom. So a three-way phone call. And group three believed that there would be five other people on the line. So them and five other people. So six total. In reality, every participant was alone and all of the other voices were on tape. Mm. Of course, of course. Yep. Of you gotta course. you gotta control those research methods. And make sure they're standardized across participants and, and consistent. That's, That's right. Yeah. Yep. Well, this affords you getting a confederates or actors in this situation. Just run yeah. the same tape over yeah. and over, which is even more consistent. I like that you're picking up the lingo, confederates. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I learn. I learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No need to make any more civil war jokes for us. We just <laughs> say confederates and we move on to the next point. Yep. Okay, so now that the size of the groups varied, some uh-huh. sort of emergency had to be created. Researchers decided that a very realistically acted epileptic seizure would be interpreted by most people as an emergency. So as discussions over the intercom started, participants heard the first student, we'll call John, talk about his difficulties concentrating and problems adjusting to life in New York City. He also added, with some embarrassment, 
that he sometimes has severe seizures, especially under stress. Then the conversation switched to the next student. Mm. In group one, the actual participant's turn came next. Whereas in the other two conditions, the participant heard the other students speak before their turn. The next time it was John's turn, the emergency occurred. John started to speak normally, but then began to have a seizure. Remember, this was all on tape. Mm. So in the original paper, they have a transcript of how the seizure sounds. And to sum it up, he basically starts stuttering a lot until it gets more serious. When he starts saying he's having a problem, can somebody help him out? He says he's having a seizure and even that he's going to die. Now, <sighs> the real test. Uh-huh. Will the participant help in this emergency? Will they help the seizure person? <laughs> it's all, I swear, all psychology studies are just like a prank show, like you said. You know what? The shame of this podcast, once we give it more exposure, it's like we're exposing magician's trick. You're, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are going to be wary going yeah. into these studies now, Chris. Yeah. They're going to be like... I don't think you're in trouble, buddy. I don't think you're. Uh, I don't think you're, I'm really shocking you. <laughs> that 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 is that is a big problem. That is a big problem. Usually, at the end of the study, people will ask about a, a hypothesis guessing. They'll ask you, "Hey, guess the hypothesis of the study." And if they correctly guess it, then you have to exclude them because they knew what was up. Really? So you'd be like, "Hey, do you?" And a lot of times, you figure out my magic trick. Yeah. And they'll ask you, hey, did you believe that those were real people that you were talking to? And they'll say yes or no. Oh, and if they say no, I didn't believe that they were real people, then okay, we got to exclude you from the analysis. Interesting. I didn't consider that, but that's true, huh? Just checking in at the end. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So they've been talking on the intercom about their life's uh, struggles, and then John starts to have a seizure. Will the participant help in this emergency? Help was defined as leaving their cubicle and notifying the experimenter of the problem. They also measured the amount of time it took participants to respond to the emergency and try to help. They were given four minutes to respond, after which the experiment was terminated. So what did they find? As participants believed there were a greater number of other people present, the percentage who reported the seizure quickly that is, as the attack was occurring, decreased dramatically. So more people, less helping. So in group one, when it was just the participant and John, about 85% of people helped quickly mm. as the attack occurred. That's pretty good. That's 85%. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. In group two, where it was the participant, John, and one other person, 65% of people helped. Mm. So that's a 20% drop. In group three, where it was the participant, John, and four other people, it was 30% that helped quickly. Wow. That's a big drop. Yeah. That is a big drop from 85 to 65 to yeah. 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And among those who didn't help quickly but eventually helped, the amount of delay in helping was greater when there were more bystanders present. So in group one, the delay was one minute, whereas in group three, it was over three minutes. God, I love these measuring tools. Finally, the total number of participants who reported the seizure at all, either during or after it occurred, varied among the groups 
in a similar way. All of the participants in group one reported the emergency. So when mm -hmm. it was one-on-one, -on -one, everybody reports the emergency. Only 85% of group two reported it and only 60% of group three reported it at any time during that four minute period. As is in the real life case of Kitty Genovese, it's easy to immediately say all of those people are simply uncaring toward the victim. Uh, the researchers are quick to point out that this was not the reason for inaction. All of the participants in the study reported experiencing a great deal of anxiety and discomfort during the attack. Mm -hmm. And they commonly had trembling hands or sweaty palms. What the researchers wanted to convey that they were under social influence by the presence of multiple people. Mm. It, it was more about creating indecision than it was about cowardice. Yeah. Yes. It's not that the participant thinks that this person doesn't need help. Is that it creates, yeah, a level of uncertainty. Should I be the one to help? Mm -hmm. Are others going to help? Whose responsibility is it? Interesting. So this, this goes back to diffusion of responsibility. As the number of people in the group increased, people felt less personal responsibility to take action. It was easier in groups two and three for the participant to assume that someone else would handle the problem. It's important to note too, it's not only the responsibility for helping that is shared when others are present, but also the potential guilt or blame for not helping. Mm. If you're the only person in an emergency and you don't help, the shame falls squarely on you. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a group, you can say, well, they didn't help either. Shared responsibility. Yeah. Or passing yep. the blame, I yep. guess, to each other. There's like a shared guilt or you yeah. can pass the blame. Well, yeah, yeah well, everyone else didn't help. So yeah. why would I? Yeah. Bummer. There's also this concept. <laughs> Big bummer. Big bummer. Someone getting their life threatened and six or more people around, less likely to help, 30%. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Big you bummer. think... You think for this study though, when you think it feels really good though, when you have a hypothesis and like, without even analyzing it as you're going through, you're like, oh man, this is, this is proving they're like, right. I I, they're like, I hope they don't help. I hope they don't report this seizure. <laughs> there has to be that in the back of your mind, right? Cause you want to. A little uh, bit, a little you bit. Wanna, you yeah. want to prove your hypothesis correct, obviously. Yeah. Come yeah. on, don't help, don't help, don't help. <laughs> stay in the room, stay in the room. Yeah. They're looking it's at not the... even that bad of a seizure come on <laughs> they're, they're, yeah they're fucking baiting they're looking everyone all the researchers looking at the timer it's like three two one yeah. Yeah, he's in the room, in it's, the room. it's like it's like the it's like the nasa like space land moon landing everyone he didn't help the seas person hooray oh man here's your 20 bucks get out of here kid <laughs> You just proved to us that you're just like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day being a bystander. <laughs> Woo <-hoo>. And that's, <laughs> yeah. as, they, as, the, as the researchers put away their things. And that, folks, is what we like to call the bystander effects. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Another possible explanation for this type of social influence is something that psychologists have called evaluation apprehension. Mm. The researchers claim that part of the reason that we fail to help when others are present is that we're afraid of being embarrassed or ridiculed. 
imagine how foolish you would feel if you sprang into action to help someone who actually didn't need or want your help. Mm. Well, I I assume for me, like, I would be anxious about that, too. I would be afraid of messing it up. Does that fall into that idea? Yeah, you don't want to mess it up because then it's like, now... Now am I fully responsible for this person? Do I yeah. gotta like sit in the ambulance with them and like yeah. make sure like they're okay? Am I their point of contact now? Like, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a like... whole, it's a whole slew of questions. Plus, maybe they didn't need help, and maybe they got like offended by you trying to help them. Trying to and now you're it like, out. yeah, on this crowded subway, and you look like an idiot. Oh, so it's the yes, the internal pressures plus the external pressures of the group involved. Oh, that's. Mm-hmm. That's a lot going against you in that short period of time of someone like going through a tragic incident. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw that people are less likely to help if they are if they're speaking over to other students over intercom and one person starts having a seizure. If there's more people around, less likely to help. But what about witnessing an emergency in person and not over an intercom? Hmm. Are we going to get a research remix? Remix! (laughs) Darley and Latane tested this in a later study. And they had participants come in to a lab where they had to sit in a waiting room. And there was a door to the experimenter's room that would, the crack under the door, it would start pushing out like smoke. Okay. To represent that a fire was on the other side. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. So now. So hold on, hold on. So someone was like, how can we create a incident that was also convincing? <laughs> that mm-hmm. also functions yeah. within our budget. <laughs> yep. Anyone <laughs> got a smoke I got this machine? fog machine from a, <laughs> from a rave I used to host. <laughs> Sick. All right, we got it. John, John's on the case. Doctor Research here. Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys need lasers too? I got lasers. <laughs> I got glow sticks. <laughs> no, John, just the just the fog machine. We're Thank just you. Gonna, we're just gonna make a fake fire incident. We don't. I don't know how that comes. How you're gonna need that? So, thank you. Okay. Let me know if you guys need an extra subwoofer. <laughs> Smoke started coming out of the crack of the doorway, and participants would either be by themselves in the lab in that waiting room Uh or there would be confederates or paid actors in there and the paid actors would always not react to it. And so as you can expect, (laughs) when people are alone, when it's just them, 55% of participants reported the smoke within the first two minutes. Mm. When there were other people in the room, only 12% reported the smoke. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it is, it is a strong effect. It's yeah. not just like an effect. It's, it's pretty strong. It's pretty clear, yeah. After four minutes, 75% of the alone participants had reported the smoke. Uh, but no additional participants in the group settings ever reported the smoke. So only 12% ever reported the smoke. Oh, wow. If you see other people not reacting or not intervening or concerned, you're like, okay, I, I guess this is fine. Yeah, this reminds me of that one uh, episode we did about uh, sort of group conformity as well. I wonder how that also plays into this. Yeah. Because other yeah. had no in- totally. inaction that also sort of maybe encourage or groomed you to also take no action as well. Sort of mirroring that, that, that mm-hmm. behavior. So this may seem 
pessimistic, but a this bit. body of research can help change our behaviors. <laughs> Being aware of the bystander effect can help people make the extra effort to intervene in emergency, even if others are around. <laughs> or or add, research. To the, add to the decision like, oh, oh no, I'm having the bystander effect right now. <laughs> <laughs> am or I am I? <laughs> Is there five other people? Damn, <laughs> I'm in a group. <laughs> I'm not by myself. I'm not likely to help. Darlene Latane, where are you? Get out of here. Where, where are you? Where are you hiding? <laughs> Get out Researchers here. come out with a notebook. Damn it. He's on to us. They caught us. Oh, you next time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get you kids next time. You, you'll yeah. see. We would have gotten away with it, too. <laughs> <laughs> Research has even shown that people who have learned about the bystander effect are more likely to help in emergencies. So mm. there is an upside to this and to spread the word. The, bot the bottom line is never assume that others have intervened or will intervene in, a, in an emergency always act as if you are the only person there wait so have they proven that knowing this effect will increase the likelihood that you'll help yep that others will help if okay. people know about this effect they're more likely to help you hear that folks now you don't got an excuse now that you listen yep. to this no, episode no excuses now <laughs> if you're on the bus you can right play now, ignorant before yeah yeah nah -uh. <laughs> you're gonna you know this is gonna be the first mm -hmm. thing in your mind Shame, you get, shame, you gotta, you gotta play shame. doctor now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is there a doctor in the room? I'm not a doctor, but I ain't. Sh I, I ain't one fucking bystander if I ain't one. <laughs> I'm a lot of things, but I ain't a bystander. <laughs> you can okay. call me a piece of shit, a worthless, no good for nothing. <laughs> but don't call, don't you call me a bystander. Yeah. Make sure to check out the follow-up research episode uh, following from this uh, that was inspired by the bystander effect. So make sure to check that out. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.